You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Ephesians chapter 3, the last uh, few verses, it's behind me and in our Bibles. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Christina. Uh, If you've been following along in Ephesians, you'll know that I preached on the first part of chapter 4 last week, and you might be like, oh, why why are we going back to the end of Ephesians 3? We had planned to do these two verses on whichever Sunday we happen to meet at Rossmoyne Street for the first time, Uh, because we thought, hey, that's a a great way to start in in a new venue, except, as we all know, there's quite a bit of uncertainty about exactly when we're going to get to Rossmoyne Street, so we've just decided to slot this in uh, today. Great. Uh, There's an outline of my sermon on the welcome card. If you want to follow along there, please do have... uh, There's only two verses to follow along with this week. Uh, And so you shouldn't get too lost. They're there. Uh, So please follow along. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Gracious Father, we thank you for this time where we can gather around your word. Uh, We pray uh, that you would indeed speak to us. Uh, Father, you know my weaknesses and limitations and the weaknesses and limitations that we all share. Uh, We pray, Father, that by your spirit we would be reminded afresh uh, that where we are weak, you are strong, Uh, you are able. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I I do uh, wonder how you tend to respond to your limitations in life. We've all got different limitations. Uh, Maybe for you, particular physical limitations come to mind. Maybe it's a a sort of emotional limitations or psychological limitations. How is it that you respond or you tend to respond? No doubt we respond in different ways at different times, but how do you respond to your limitations in life? Uh, If you don't know, I have a particular limitation. It's I have a degenerative eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, RP for short, Uh, and it's actually pretty hard to keep adjusting and responding to the increased limitations of my vision loss. Sometimes I do okay, other times I just get incredibly frustrated. I was out, I can't remember where I was the other day, Uh, I was in the city, I was wanting to get a train home and I wanted to check like what platform I was on and I couldn't find a TV screen and anyway, like it was just, I had to go and ask someone, hey, where's the murder train going? And I just get so frustrated because I used to be able to do that so easily. Uh, I think Adam Humphreys has experienced this, perhaps others. I I get frustrated at times about my limitations when making coffee for myself at home. Uh, I have the kind of milk uh, in the coffee mug and I think, look, I've just got to pour that into my mug uh, that's sitting on the bench and the the milk uh, sometimes goes all over the bench rather than in the coffee mug. And then, of course, the bench is white and the milk is white. Uh, It's really difficult for me to clean up. I get so frustrated. Can't even make a cup of coffee. Uh, Most of the time, uh, I'm not in denial about the fact that I've got a vision impairment. I get rude reminders every time I kind of walk into something and, like, it's hard to be in denial about it. But there are times where there's a little bit of denial uh, where I'm kind of like, do I really need to embrace that kind of help right now. Surely that can wait six months or 12 months where my eyesight's a little bit worse. 
I wonder how you respond to your limitations, whatever they might be. And maybe it's a particular physical limitation, an emotional limitation. Uh, I don't know what your limitations are. Perhaps uh, you find yourself getting tired way more quickly than you used to. Oh, gee, not as young as I used to be. Yeah. And maybe you find yourself forgetting kind of important things that are just kind of slipping out of your mind. You're finding it really hard to focus or to concentrate. And maybe you find that your, your eyesight is getting worse. Oh, maybe not as bad as mine, but you're sitting at the back of church and you're like, gee, did they kind of decrease the font size on those words? You know, like it's just it's getting a bit more difficult. Maybe you're finding that you're losing a bit of strength in your hands or your arms, you know, jars that you used to be able to open really easily and needing to ask someone else to open. What are your limitations? And, and how do you tend to respond to your limitations, whatever they might be? Are you someone who just kind of pretends that they don't exist? Do you deny, hey, I'm one of the, I'm the only human ever who has no limitations, you know? Are you someone who just gets busy trying to fix everything or you just kind of try to move on to stuff that you know that you're strong at and good at so you can pretend? Do you get really frustrated? Do you get sad and lament your limitations? How do you respond to your limitations? Of course, in one way or another, those different responses are all appropriate in different circumstances. I'm not saying that there's no place for those things. But I think there probably is a decent amount of pride and an ungodly sense of self-sufficiency if we never just kind of humbly accept our limitations. If we don't accept that part of being a human being is to be limited, is to have weaknesses... That's just part of the human condition, isn't it? The only one who's not limited is God. Where we are limited, God is unlimited. Where we are weak, God is strong. Where we are limited, God is able. That's my kind of big idea for today. Where we are limited, God is able. As you think about some of those limitations I listed earlier, uh, maybe you find yourself forgetting important things, having trouble focusing. Not God. God never forgets anything. He's not limited in that way. God never has trouble focusing or concentrating. He sees things with perfect clarity at all times. You find yourself getting tired more quickly than you used to, but not God. The psalmist says, the Lord who watches Israel over Israel never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never grows tired or weary. Where we are limited, God is able. Your eyesight might be on the wane, not the Lord's. The scriptures tell us that he sees the end from the beginning. No problem with his eyesight at all. You might feel that you're... Our hands or arms are getting weak, not the Lord's. The, the scriptures tell us that the Lord's arm is not short, that he cannot reach down and save whoever he wants. No limitations. He has a mighty hand that can lift us up and carry us. Where we are limited, God is able. That's the big idea uh, that I want us to explore this afternoon from just these two verses from Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we're kind of going to build it up piece by piece. 
Where we are limited, God is able. Uh, let me first uh, yeah, take a look there, uh, first at verse 20. Uh, what is our God able? Well, uh, our God is able to do. That's the first thing I want us to notice there in verse 20. Paul says, now unto him or now to him uh, who is able to do. Now, that would be the sort of thing that we might skip over. Uh, but it doesn't go without saying that, A, that there would be a God, and B, that if there is a God, he would actually be able to do things. Right? That's not what everyone in the world believes, is it? Uh, Paul says, now unto him who is able to do. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, the existentialist philosopher, he said God is dead. He's not able to do anything. Richard Dawkins, the atheist professor who we've mentioned a few times in recent sermons at Oxford, he says God is a delusion, can't do anything. Others say that, yeah, sure, there might be a God, but he's so detached and distant from the world that he can't actually do anything in his world. Not Paul. Paul says, now unto him who is able to do. Our God is living and active He's intimately interested in his world. Uh, he's kind of intensely involved in his world. He is actually able to do things in his world. Now unto him who is able to do. What is he able to do? Uh, we'll take a look there. Uh, first, Paul says, uh, our God is able to do uh, all that we might ask of him. Good verse 20. Now to him who is able to do, uh, a couple of words later, all that we might ask or imagine. We'll come back to imagine a little bit later on, but it's pretty amazing, right? The God we believe in as Christians is not some abstract, impersonal force. Right? Well, we've seen in the book of Ephesians. He's the God who is one God in three persons, one in three, Father, Son, and Spirit. The God who, from before the beginning of time, was a personal and loving and relational God. What does that mean? It means that we can actually ask him for things. We can relate to him. We can lift up our prayers to him. And Paul wants us to know that the God that we ask for things is able to do all that we might ask him for. Notice that word all. Uh, it might, I'm sort of joking around a little bit, but it might surprise you to know that in the original kind of language, the Greek of the New Testament, the word all also means all, right? Sorry, that, you can, that's sort of a little bit of a joke, but you see, like, like sometimes we're like, oh, I can't really mean all, but it does actually. Like Paul's saying that the God we believe in as Christians is able to do anything and everything that we might ask of him. There's not a, a single thing that you could ask God in prayer that he doesn't have capacity to do. He's able to do all of it. And which is not to say, amen, yeah, but it's not to say that he will do everything we ask him. Right? Sometimes God in his infinite wisdom and goodness uh, knows that the things that we ask him for aren't for our good. So he says no. It's not that he's not able to do it, but he says no to it. Other times God knows in his infinite wisdom uh, that what we're asking him for is not good for us right now. So he says, wait. But it's not a problem of capacity or power on God's part. Our God is able to do all 
that we might ask of him. Of course, sometimes the problem is that we just don't actually ask God for stuff. Certainly I don't. Sometimes there's something that I really want that's really bothering me. I kind of long for it. But I'm busy trying to sort it out myself, trying to fix the situation. And I haven't actually asked God for it. Sometimes then I even have the cheek to get angry with God for not giving me what I haven't asked him for. You know? uh, James says to us in James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. I wonder if there's something that you really long for, that you really desire. Uh, but as you sit here in this moment this afternoon, you're like, yeah, I think you're right. I actually haven't asked God for that. And maybe it's an area of your spiritual life, a particular sin that you've been struggling with for, for many, many years. You've actually never asked God for help with it. Maybe it's a particular fruit of the Spirit. You want to grow, as we heard last week, in something like you want to grow in gentleness or patience or humility or whatever it is. Have you asked God for that? You want to grow in your personal and intimate experience of the love of Christ, the fullness of his love. Have you asked God for that? Let me encourage you, even in this moment, if there's something to do with your walk with the Lord, why don't you lift it up to God in prayer, knowing that he's able to do all that we might ask of him. And maybe it's a particular relational problem that's on your mind. Perhaps your relationship with your parents is pretty complicated. Maybe you're struggling to know how to parent a particular son or daughter. Uh, there's dysfunction in your relationship with a, with a colleague or, or your boss at work. Ongoing tensions with your husband or wife, or whatever it is. Our God is able to do all that we might ask of him. So why don't you take a moment to just lift that up to God in prayer. Praying in faith. Trusting his wisdom and his goodness. And maybe it is a particular area of physical or emotional healing. You know, the, the black cloud of depression that just follows you around. Chronic anxiety. Panic attacks. Maybe for you it's a, a lower back pain or re recurring gut issues. Uh, the struggle uh, with infertility. Let me encourage you, if the Lord is putting something in your heart or mind, why don't you lift it up to him in prayer, knowing that he's able to do all that we might ask. Not guaranteeing that he'll always say yes, we know that, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I don't understand why the Lord doesn't say yes to things. And he doesn't necessarily send us a, a, a clear memo saying, I'm saying no right now, but I'll say yes in three years. You know, well, thanks, you know. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But we can pray in faith, right, knowing that the Lord is able to do all that we might ask of him. And not just that. Notice that Paul says the Lord is able to do, our God is able to do all that we might ask or imagine. Not just ask, but imagine. A God is not distant or impersonal or detached. Our God knows us intimately. If you sit here this afternoon and you've got a particular ache in your body, 
The Lord knows that. You're carrying a particular wound in your soul. The Lord knows that. He also knows the hopes and dreams that are in your imagination. He knows the things that capture your imagination. Now, for some of us, the, the thought of that might be a bit confronting because I suspect all of us in our sin will confess that sometimes uh, sinful and ungodly things capture our imagination. Well, that's true, isn't it? Sometimes the, the thought of getting um, increased status or approval or comfort, uh, power, uh, sort of apart from God, maybe giving lip service and thanks to God, sometimes those things have captured our imagination in a way that's pushed God out of the picture. And yet, that's not the full story if you're a Christian. It's not just that our minds are, are a black mess of sin and filth, right? Remember, Paul said back in chapter 2, verse 4, uh, he said that we as God's people, by his grace, have been made alive in Christ. God has done something new in the lives of Christians, not because we're better than anyone else, simply by his grace and mercy. Chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Paul said that we are God's handiwork, new creations in Christ Jesus. So as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, uh, we who have experienced God's mercy can respond to God's mercy by being transformed by the power of his spirit, having our minds renewed, new ways of thinking. It is actually possible for us as Christians uh, to have God-honouring hopes and dreams and desires, things that capture our imagination. So I wonder what those things might be for you. If you were to say, this is something that has captured my imagination, something in your spiritual life, something in those different categories, a particular relationship, an area of physical or emotional well-being, things that kind of pop into your mind and you say, it would be wonderful if that could happen but it's just too over the top. It's too outlandish. It's not realistic. I couldn't possibly pray to God for that. Paul says, no, God can do more than all you could ask or imagine. Why don't you lift some of your deep hopes and dreams up to the Lord in prayer? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was preparing a report for a presbytery meeting that's happening this coming Wednesday uh, night. And in the context of writing that report, I look back at, at a report that I wrote in March last year. And I was reading through it, and I came across this section that I want to share with you guys. Uh, I said this in, in March last year. I said, while there's much to be thankful for in the way that the Lord uh, has grown the work of the gospel in and through DPC... Uh, the lack of a church building still remains a great challenge. Uh, we understand that, I quoted from Psalm 24, verse 1, we understand that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so we pray that the Lord might channel some of his abundant property resources in our direction so that the work of the gospel at DPC might continue to grow and flourish. Now, I read that in March last year. Uh, you might remember I had some long service leave in the middle of the year. I could not have imagined that I would come back from long service leave and we would have been able to purchase a property over on Rosswine Street. 
Like, yes, it was something that we'd been praying about for years. But to be honest, I'm not sure I prayed those prayers with that much faith. I prayed about it, but I kind of thought, yeah, no, that won't happen. You know, you pray those prayers sometimes. Like, I pray that, you know, someone will become a Christian, but they probably won't. Like, you know, you kind of, yeah, negate your own prayer straight away. And so I think I prayed like that about a church building. It was a hope. It was a dream. It was an imagination. (laughs) And the Lord, in his kindness and generosity, answered those prayers. Now, my point is, it's not that everyone needs to be really excited that we've got a church property and we've got buildings and that'll make us feel good. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the Lord can do more than we could ask or imagine. And so we should lift up even those crazy outlandish things to the Lord in prayer. I've touched on it a couple of times already, but just to emphasise it, the Lord is not only able to do all that we might ask or imagine, uh, he's kind of got no capacity issues there, Uh, he's also able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine. What is that? Immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine. The, The words there are kind of extremely more. He can do more to a very great degree. It's kind of like if you were to work out, okay, this is all that I could ask God, uh, that takes up that category, uh, and then I'll project, uh, and this is all that I can imagine, and then, uh, Paul, can you tell me, if I was to get a tape measure out and measure how much more God could do than all that I could ask or imagine, Paul says, impossible to measure. Right? You cannot measure how much more than all you could ask God or imagine before God, God is able to do. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, abundantly more. Remember back in, in uh, what is it, um, just looking at my notes, in verse 16, Paul said, Our God and Father has glorious riches at his disposal. He's got no shortage of resources. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine. Uh, Adam, uh, who's leading the the service today, uh, dear brother and friend, and I reckon it was probably about 12 years ago that Gabby and I and and three or four other couples met at our house in Fitzroy North uh, because uh, the Lord had put, like, this crazy idea um, in my head, and I was trying to drag Gabby along to be excited about it as well, uh, about starting a church in uh, this part of Melbourne. And uh, it was one of those thoughts, like, that I just couldn't, couldn't kind of shake it. It had been planted in my imagination. And uh, I guess as we got together with Adam and Aaron and, and, and some others and then the, the core team grew, a group of wonderful people, I can remember that we asked God for lots of things. Spent lots of time praying. And we had times of kind of big picture brainstorming and imagining and dreaming. What could this church look like? It was really exciting times. And as we look back on the kind of journey of the last kind of 12 years, it was kind of a couple of years of preparing and planning and praying, and then the last 10 years of, of DPC, uh, no doubt the journey has been a mixed bag. Well, I understand that. There's been some highs and there's been some lows. Uh, there's been some incredible joys and some very painful sorrows. Uh, but overall, 
I have to say that the Lord has done immeasurably more than anything that we asked or imagined. Immeasurably more. I remember back in, in verse 12, if you've got chapter, Ephesians chapter 3 open, take a look back at verse 12. Paul says that through faith in Christ, we can approach God our Father with freedom and confidence. Freedom and confidence. And that's even with the things that pop into your mind and you think, no, that's just too crazy. Right? The Lord is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Sometimes Felix, who's four years old, uh, comes running up to me and says, hey, Dad, you know, can we go to Paris today? Like he's heard about it. You know, like that's what kids are like with their dads. And they think that, like Felix thinks, that because I'm like big and strong in his world, that I have like omnipotent power to just get us to Paris. I think there's a sense in which God wants us to run up to him like that. Just like innocent kids going, hey, God, my father... You can do immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. Why not ask for going to Paris? Right? Uh, why does God do this? Uh, I guess, where does God do this amazing work in all his power? Uh, well, Paul says it's primarily through his church. Notice the end of verse 20. Uh, according uh, to his power that is at work within us, that is within the church... This is a really key theme in the book of Ephesians. Uh, you can look up later on uh, at chapter 1, verse 19, or if you're a quick flicker, you can look back to chapter 1, verse 19, where Paul said that God's incomparably great power is at work in us, right, in, in the church where people believe in Jesus. Uh, at the end of chapter 2, uh, verses 20 to 22, Paul said that the we as the church are the very dwelling place of God. Right? God dwells in his power among us. And so a few verses before this, in chapter 3, verse 16, Paul prayed that God would strengthen us with power in our inner being, that we would know that the risen and exalted Christ who has power over everyone and everything is dwelling in our hearts through faith in him. God is at work in his immeasurably great power in and through us as his church. So when we consider the life of our church, I was thinking this week, we should absolutely be completely honest about our areas of weakness and limitation. We should. And we should be completely honest about the areas in which we need to grow and change. But I do want to suggest that, maybe it's a bit much, but I just want to, I want to suggest that we shouldn't allow our hearts and minds to be bound by our own weaknesses and limitations. Yes, we're weak, but God is strong. Yes, we're limited, but God is able. So I'm not saying we should rustle up our own strength. I'm saying we should fall to our knees before God our Father, humbly admitting and confessing our limitations and rejoicing that he is not limited. And he's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So you consider the life of our church. God is able to strengthen the peace and unity of our church. It's not beyond his capacity. He's able to do that. Let's not 
have small minds about what God's capable of doing. The Lord is able to uh, help us to find our way out of our current financial situation and to provide for all our needs that the work of the gospel might continue to grow and flourish here at DPC. He has that covered. We can ask him for that, confident that it's within his power and resources. He's able to strengthen us as a church. If you think back to Paul's prayer in verses 14 to 19, he's able to strengthen us in our inner beings that we might keep trusting in the Lord Jesus together making a stand for the Lord Jesus. He's able to strengthen us by the power of his spirit, strengthen our relationships of love with one another so we might be rooted and established in love as a family of God. He's able to do that. He's able to grow us more and more like Christ his son, as Paul said at the end of verse 19, that we might be filled up with God's glory radiating the glory of Jesus into the community around us. God is able to do that. God is able to bring lots and lots of people to know Jesus for the very first time through the ministry of Darabin Presbyterian Church. He's able to do it. Frankly, we haven't been able to do that that much in the last 10 years. Praise God for all the people who've become Christians. But we'd love to see more, and the Lord is able to do it. The Lord is able to, he's able to start new ministries at DPC. He's able to help us start new services if the building at Rossmoyne Street gets full in one service. He's able to start new churches through Darab and Prezi Church. He's able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Now, in saying that, I know that Straight away, in my own mind, and perhaps in yours, a bunch of things pop into my mind saying, yeah, sure, it'd be nice if God did all that, but in light of this and that limitation that I have and we have, it's just not possible. It's just fanciful. It's just over the top. And we do have to live within our means. At times, I've been, we said at the congregational meeting a couple of weeks ago, at times I and we have been overly optimistic about our goals haven't been mindful enough about the limitations of our church. I understand all of that. But I don't think the, the, the answer is to go the other way and go, God can only do what I have capacity to do. No, no, no. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And he does that not for our glory, but for his glory. Notice verse 21. Paul says, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul's logic, all the power comes from God, so all the glory belongs to God. Glory in the church, that's us, the body of Christ, and glory in Christ Jesus, the head of the body. What's what Paul's saying? That everything that God the Father does... Uh, through his church and through Christ his son, he does that people in all generations throughout history would give him the praise and honour and adoration that he deserves. that The honour, the glory that he deserves, not just for a moment, but for eternity, forever and ever. Amen, Paul says. This is why God is at work in power through us as his church. 
Now, I confess that at times over the past uh, however many years uh, that I have been tempted uh, to be what you might call a glory thief. Uh, Maybe you have in your own sphere. Uh, But when things have been going well with DPC, I've been tempted to steal glory, acclaim, approval, honour that rightly belong to God alone and to steal it for myself because we all crave glory. And I suspect that your heart is not that different to mine. So let us not be a church that has the audacity to steal glory that belongs to God alone. If anything of spiritual value has happened through DPC or does happen through DPC in the future, it'll be because God has been at work in his power and glory to him forever. I wonder how you respond to your limitations. It's normal to be in denial about our limitations, but I don't think it's that healthy. It's normal to be frustrated about our limitations, but if that's the only response we have, it's probably not that healthy or godly. What I want to suggest today is that we as a church uh, could humbly accept our limitations, embrace the fact that we're limited, that we've got weaknesses and flaws and frailties, uh, but that we're not committing to therefore constructing our church life and ministry around our weaknesses and limitations forever. We're saying, God, we're weak, we're limited, but you can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And so we fall to our knees before you, knowing where we are limited, you are able. Uh, Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you uh, for this reminder from your word Uh, As we come to you in prayer, we're so conscious of our many weaknesses and frailties and limitations as individuals, as a church. We praise you, Father, for the ways in which you've been at work in your power uh, over these past uh, 10 or 12 years uh, uh, through our weaknesses and limitations. And we pray, Father, that you would so work in us by your spirit Uh, that we would fall to our knees humbly confessing and accepting our limitations, uh, but rejoicing in the fact that where we are limited, you are able, indeed able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.